Perfect, Tan. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, thanks for coming this morning. I'm, if I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, I'm Andrew. I'm one of the elders here. Um, and this is a morning that I've been praying for and waiting for for a long time. So I think we're all, I'm just, I, I can't even, I can't even tell you how excited I am, I am this morning. So um, I'm not going to stand up here long because you guys want to hear from BJ and his wife, Jill. Um, a lot of the reason for that is BJ is a super cool dude. He's probably, he's at least as cool as Zach, if not maybe a little bit cooler. Um, sorry, Zach, I love you, but. Um, no, so, so Jill and BJ are two of Andrea and I's best friends. Um, we've known them for, I think, about 20 years, maybe a little bit less than 20 years. The last 11 or 12 years of that have been long distance, um, but still great friends. Um, this morning, you know, I thought about what I was going to say, and I was going to kind of try and tell some of their story, but I'm not going to because it's going to be so much more impactful for them. But I think what you guys are going to see is uh, in Jill and BJ, two incredible people who the, the work that God was doing in their lives before they met as a couple, once they were a couple, how he led them to where they're at, to an unreached people group, um, and, and how they are humbly and faithfully serving him halfway across the world. Um, so with that, I'm, I'm not going to talk anymore. I'm going to ask BJ to come up here. I will say this. Sometimes um, he just speaks in Wantakean a little bit. So if he, if he forgets a word and starts talking in, in a language that you don't understand, just bear with him. So. ก็เจวุวีอ๊อบไมควาระตาวะไมกัจเจรยะมะกาวนาวุวุนีนางะวีอันเตลีจอกิตาอัมคีปกาวนเซเรยะบรเรนะมินชีวุวีควาระตาว
and we couldn't do it without them. And we, man, we, you can see all the missionary kids in that picture there. Does anyone notice the lone boy in the middle? That's my son, Graham. It's like he has nine other sisters. So, so pray for him. <laughs> I want to back up before I share just God, what God has done in us and through us. I want to share just a little bit of our backstory and just how we got to where we are today. So Jill and I met a long time ago. Hopefully you're not looking at the timestamp on that picture. Um, <laughs> we were college students. I was at the University of Arkansas and she was at OU. And we both ended up at this summer project in Destin, Florida. We were destined to fall in love. <laughs> Unbelievable. But that summer, we were being discipled and just growing in our faith, and we had this big missions conference that, that summer, and God, we heard God's word in a way that we'd never heard it before. Genesis to Revelation, God is on mission. He is gathering worshipers from every tribe, tongue, and nation. He wants to use, he wants to use us to do that. We're his ambassadors. And so we also heard about the world that summer, like in a way that I'd never heard about it before. I feel like we're... We're so insulated in America, and um, sometimes we don't see things outside of our borders. And wow, to understand the world, and there's people out there that have never heard the name of Jesus. Like what? We're in what that point? We're in 2000. What five was that? <laughs> like is, seriously, that's still happening. And so God broke our hearts for the unreached, the unreached of the world. And so I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Jill and I, we dated. For a few years, long distance, we graduated, we got married. Again, we, we still were like, God, we wanna be involved in this. This is the work you're already doing. We don't wanna make our plans and ask you to bless them. We wanna get on board with what you're already doing. And so we, had, we knew that we wanted to go overseas. We, we heard about this country, Papua New Guinea, where there's over 800 languages and several hundred of them still are unreached without the gospel and they're out there and they're very remote and they're hard to get to. And God broke our hearts for Papua New Guinea. And so we went to a training program for three and a half years to prepare us to go. We went through Bible college for a couple of years and then went through some intercultural, cross-cultural training for a year and a half. So a few years later, a few kids later, here we were ready to go overseas. We got on a plane Actually, we got on lots of planes, and uh, here we are moving our family across the globe, and I'll never forget that last flight, leaving Brisbane, Australia, headed to Port Moresby, um, Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea is right above Australia, kind of is right next to Indonesia, and we're on that last flight, and the flight attendant sort of just looks at us, and then she looks at our kids. She's like, you guys, you guys on the right flight? <laughs> you guys know you're going to Port Moresby, Papua New Guinea, right? We're like, yeah, yeah, we're moving there to be missionaries. She's like, they're cannibals there. They'll eat you. They'll kill you. And we're like, nope, we're, it's okay. We're, we're going there. We're on mission from the Lord. <laughs> so she tried to talk us out of it, but we went anyways. And they didn't eat us. We're, we're alive today to tell the story. So. <laughs> so we moved there. We learned the national language uh, of Papua New Guinea. And then we were thinking, you know, unreached people group. And so there's, there's all these tribes out there who there's no missionaries. There's no Bibles in their language. Uh, there's, there's no one. They will never meet uh, a Christian in their life unless someone physically moves there and goes there and tells them about Jesus. And so we heard about this one 
people group, um, the Wantakia people. And God broke our hearts for these people, uh, just their story and how they're out there and they've even seen uh, these neighboring uh, tribes, different language groups to where missionaries have come and they've seen the change and they, they even want missionaries. They're desiring for missionaries to come and tell them what's different, what, like what's going on across the mountain. We want to know. And so even those neighboring tribes had tried to come in and, and share the gospel with them, but there's language barriers. There's major culture, cultural barriers. Uh, they're traditionally enemies. And so the gospel was not going to go to Wantakia unless a team was sent there. And so as a team, we just said, I feel like our next step is to meet a Wantakia person. And literally the next day, uh, this Wantakia man who was a friend of another missionary shows up on our doorstep. And we're like, okay, God, here's our first sign. Like, you're, you're leading us there. And so we meet this guy and we talk about getting out there and, and seeing if the, the tribe is interested in having languages. And so having missionaries come learn their language. And so we went out there and it was a yes. We told them why we would come that we would come, we would learn their language, we would teach them to read in their language because most of the remote tribal people of Papua New Guinea are still illiterate, just very oral cultures. And so we told them we would come and do that and we'd give them God's word in their language and we would share the gospel with them and give them this, this, God, this good news. And so from there, it was a go. And we, we had the yes from the tribe. And so if you can back up one picture, we, we went and we built our houses in the village, which was a miracle um, that we didn't cut our like, limbs off with these chainsaws and a sawmill we were running. But we were able to build these homes, um, get our solar power, get water, collecting rainwater, setting up water tanks, um, going off the grid, everything that would help us stay there long term and minister to these people. We did all that. And so the, the whole time, our goal is... is and we want to, we don't just want to share the God, we don't just want to learn their language to share the gospel. Like we want to give them God's word in their language. We want to see churches planted there. We, man, we want to see this go for generations after we're gone. And so Wantakia, um, yeah, we moved into this one village. Uh, it's kind of centrally located. Wantakia is, yeah, they're remote. They're, they're farmers. They grow their sweet potatoes. They live off the land. Um, very, very remote people. And they, they, um, there's about 5,000 of them that live out there in the mountains and they grow their gardens, they grow their coffee, they, um, yeah, very much live off the land. And so, yeah, we wanted to move into a central location where we could reach one, the first village and see the gospel go out to the other, there's 10 villages, go out to the other nine villages. And so we knew the first major hurdle after we got these homes built and moved out there was learning the language. And so, yeah, a lot like, we can go to the next slide. A lot, a lot like Jill doing the balance beam crossing this river here, we knew that learning their language and culture was gonna be a major hurdle. There's no app for learning the Wantakia language. No easy button for that. So we started very basic. We started with just pointing and listening pointing at the sweet potato and hearing them say, wopa. And then we'd point again, wopa. And then point at the piece of firewood, tra, tra. We're like, wait, say that one again? Tra. <laughs> Sounds we don't even have in our language. We point at the bag, kriya, kriya. And so we're just pointing and listening. We're like babies over there. And so we, we worked our way 
we had um, some flashcard apps. We were able to, to build basically their language into this app and go putting words into sentences, sentences into paragraphs, and, and eventually, yeah, learning their language. And so the funny, one of the funniest things about when we were there early is we needed to know how to ask questions in the language. Like, what did you do this morning? Because that elicits all this other information and stories in the language. And so this was great. It was so hilarious. We're like, okay, we need to know how to say, what did you do this morning? So, you know, I'm, I'm meeting with my friend Daniel in the tribe and I'm like, okay, how do I say, what did you do this morning in your language? And he says, I went to my garden this morning. I'm like, no, no, man, I need to know how to say in your language that question, what did you do this morning? I went to the garden this morning. I already told you that. <laughs> so, it was like this. It was like, are they messing with us? <laughs> so eventually we learned how to ask questions. And once we got it, it was like, it was unlocked, man. The, the keys to the language. We learned how to say, Oh, okay, you want to know what I did this morning? And then they tell us this whole long story. And so we were able to just learn by listening to stories over and over and over. And, and we would eventually just go out and tell those stories. So all along during our language learning Obviously, it helped us to become like them. Like Paul says, I've become all things to all people so I could save some. And that was the goal. We needed to become like them. Like, I wasn't ready to go there and, and share the gospel with them. I needed to know their language. I needed to know their way of life. And so we went to the gardens with them. We went down to the river with them. We, did, we hiked to town with them. We, we did all kinds of things with them. This also gave us years to model Christ to them. Like we couldn't share a word of the gospel with them, but we were able to model Christ's life in us to them. And so we did that as married, like married couples, as families, um, parenting, disciplining. Um, yeah, they were, they were um, fascinated and, and blown away by how our kids, most of the time, would listen to us. And they're like, our kids, we smack them on the head and they don't listen to us, but your kids, man, how, do you, how does that happen? And so from the very beginning... They're seeing a different way of life and they're wondering, okay, this, these te this team that's here, is, they're saying they're here to give us this message. Man, we, we can't wait to hear this message. This, this is gonna be interesting. <laughs> and so after three years, we finished learning the language and we were ready for the next phase of our ministry, which was going to be to teach them how to read and write in their language. And so for this next part, wouldn't y'all rather hear, would y'all wanna hear Jill share this part? Yeah, come on, Jill. Hello. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. So, yes, we learned their language, and we were ready to teach them how to read and write in their language. Well, it's not written down. So do you guys see how we sort of came up on a problem there? <laughs> um, like BJ said, there were no apps. There was, there's no schools in Wantakia, and so we had to create one. And so... Um, yeah, this was really difficult, but we went through training, which helped us a lot. Um, we have a girl on our team, Lael, who is very brilliant, and she went through extra training to help create an alphabet. So that's what she did first. She created the alphabet, and um, a lot of people ask what it looks like. It looks like an English alphabet. There's, um, like, certain letters are not in their alphabet, but it's really similar to the English alphabet. And so we're not teaching them English, but we thought, you know, when they go to town and they see some English and some pidgin, which is the national language, they should be able to take what they know in their language and 
read in other languages too. So um, we had to start from the beginning. Can you imagine like if you're 30 years old or so and you've never seen a book, you've never held a pencil, um, our very first, oh, you were going to talk about the faithful ones. Um, That's okay. He'll talk about it in a minute. But the very first class, we wanted to um, have our faithful helpers who helped us learn the language, who were interested in what we were doing, supporting us. We wanted them to be in our very first class. Well, they were adults. And so we had to start at the very, very beginning. And so we built a a little schoolhouse. You can see it right here. Um, And then I'm going to show you. These are our little books that we created. So there's five books. And we used a program. Um, Wycliffe helped us create a program because they're they're brilliant. Um, So our very first step was to show them, like, you don't hold it like this. You hold it like this. And you read left to right top to bottom. Okay, we learned that in kindergarten and preschool, that this is basically what we're dealing with. So we keep telling them over and over and over, we read left to right, top to bottom. And so you can sort of see, I know in the back it's pretty hard, but um, we show them there are little footprints and they go left to right. See that? And here's human footprints and these are chicken footprints. And I'm not sure what those are, but anyways. <laughs> so they start seeing, oh, wow, the footprints are going left to right. Okay, and then we show them, here's a man in a canoe, and he's on the left, and he is going to the beach on the right side. So it's showing them left to right. Okay, so then a man kicking the ball into the goal, the bird flying to the tree, the man shooting the deer. <laughs> okay, so this is really cool. So they start just learning this. Um, The next one is, let's see, there's different things. Okay, so then they start to be like little picture stories. Here is on the left, a baby, he goes, he grows into a teenager who grows into a man, and it tells a story, left to right, and then top to bottom. So this is like the whole book, the very first primer is like that. So this is really cool. And I um, majored with Adria, Adria, sorry, (laughs) I know your name. (laughs) Andrea and I are really good friends, but we both majored (laughs) in elementary education. And sometimes it's cool. You know, you, you think like, okay, this is what God has for my life. And then, okay, we become missionaries. And it's like, well, I don't know why I was a teacher, but then God shows you, you can still use what I've given you and prepared you to do. So that was really cool. So anyways, once we finished the very first primer, we, um, we start on little words and syllables, so we thought this one would be a cool one. So we took little pictures, and this was really fun, just preparing for literacy, just we're always creating excitement and showing them, you guys want to be a part of this class, and one day you're going to learn how to read the Bible, but right now you're learning this. So anyways, we took pictures of the people, so they're really excited that they're in their own, you know, books and stuff, and then we also had teenagers draw pictures, which they're just really cute. We'll have them on the table out there. You can look through them. So this one, I'm going to, I want you guys to join me, so act like um, your students in my class, okay? So um, I'm going to say something, and you repeat after me, okay? Tilda. Uh-huh. Oh, that was super good. Wow. Okay, we're going to start over. Tilda. That was super good, you guys. <laughs> okay, so then this is teaching them the 
Okay, that is a sound that is not in English, but it's in their language. And so that was really hard for me to learn how to even say that sound. So I've sort of mastered it now. But um, <laughs> Okay, so then we just go through the chart. So repeat after me. A, uh, O, Na, No, Ta, Do, Ra, Ko. Wow, you guys, I could teach y'all one to Kian like right here. So this is what we did. And then after they do the charts, they have little stories that go along with their charts, you can see. And in four months, they have basically um, finished kindergarten and they can learn and they know all their syllables. So of course, it's still hard. Like if you have a kindergartner who learns how to read, they still need lots and lots of practice. So we've created like a second grade. We call that first grade and then we have a second grade. And so all of this is not to just teach them how to read, but it's to teach them how to read God's word. And so it's just a little piece of the puzzle. And it's why we tell them that we're here to teach you how to read so you can read God's word. And the reason why this is important, I have just like a little cute story. I have a friend who um, just has dry skin. And so someone said, you need to go to town. Well, like when you go to town, she's a teenager, get some lotion. (laughs) And I'm not sure how she heard about lotion because we don't have stores like that in the tribe. So anyway, she goes to the town um, and spends about a month there and she buys something. I guess she asked somebody, I need something for my skin. And so she goes to the store and she finds a box that looks like maybe what her friend's talking about. She buys it. Um, I think somebody helped her pick it out. So she gets it and she brings it back to the tribe and opens it and there's something weird in there. And it's just nothing that she even knows how to do. So she brings it to my house and she says, I need you to help me. Um, I can't read any of this and I just want something for my skin. It's dry and itchy. And so I started reading it and I was like, this is not what you're looking for. And um, the more I read it, it's Nair. You guys know what Nair is? (laughs) Okay, so it had the little bottle of lotion that she was looking for, but it had a little plastic razor, right? And so I'm telling her about this. Okay, this is not what you're looking for. This is going to burn your hair off of your arm or your legs. But this could be fun, so we can do it. I'm going to teach you how and everything. <laughs> and she totally did it later. But <laughs> this, the moral of that story is she went to town. Somebody deceived her. She couldn't read for herself what the Nair bottle was. She thought it was going to be for her skin, something moisturizing. It took her hair off. Okay, so it's sort of the same. We want them to be literate so that they can read God's word for themselves and decide what is true by reading God's word because there are false teachers who come into the tribe and they teach them another another, um, gospel that's not true. And so our point is to teach them God's word and let them decide for themselves what's true just by reading God's word. So when you think of Nair, you can think of the Wantakians and you can think of how important literacy is. And so anyways, I think that's about it. I'll I'll hand it back to BJ. He'll talk about more important things. (laughs) That's so good, Jill. Um, Yeah, it's like someone read Acts 17 earlier and that, man, that chapter is so awesome because it talks about the Bereans and how Paul and the guys were teaching there, but it says they were, they were more noble because they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And so that's really what we want 
uh, in the tribe too as, as good Bereans, and they can't do that without literacy. And I'll just point out, I love this picture because it doesn't show us up there teaching anymore. We've trained our, um, we call them our fats. They're faithful, available, and teachable. So we have our fat guys and ladies who are up there <laughs> teaching now, and it's so cool. Like everything we're doing, we're discipling them to do uh, for one day when we're not there anymore. Okay, so the, the next part of our ministry, we started translating God's word. And man, this was a, if we even, yeah, it was a miracle that we learned the language. It's an even bigger miracle that we're translating. <laughs> um, so yeah, why, I mean, why would we translate? It's, it's like what Jill was saying, like, we want to plant mature churches. And without God's word in their language, something to stand on, um, something that, that never changes. Um, the culture changes People come in with all kinds of messages, but God's word doesn't change, and we want them to, to be dependent on God's word. We don't want them to be a baby church forever who's always dependent on someone else to feed them. And honestly, as long as someone is illiterate, they're always dependent on someone else for truth, and, and we don't want that. So we've been able to translate a lot of uh, Genesis, Exodus, the Gospel of Mark, uh, a, a lot of Acts, and then portions of Revelation. And my teammate Jack there in the picture, he's translating Romans right now, so pray for him. That's a beast. And so all of this is building towards sharing the gospel in their language. So this is just my greatest privilege to share with you what happened last year in Wantakia. If we can go to the next slide. We were finally ready. You know, all these years of preparation, we moved out there uh, six years ago built those houses, learned their language, developed this alphabet, taught them to read and write. We've translated all this scripture and now we're, and we've written all these Bible lessons and now we're finally ready. So we're able to get, we were able to meet with the village and say, we've been telling you for years, we're here to give you this message. Okay, it's finally time. And so we were able to, to make this uh, tent, this big tarp house, and we met with the village and determined when would we meet and what's the best time for them. And so Every morning, like 7 a.m., we would um, make a big noise in the language, the way that you call a meeting together is you hoop and holler. And um, I won't do it now. I don't want to break the sound system. But we did that every morning, and we met for three months. And we had 60 lessons prepared to share God's Word with them. When, when you know nothing of God's Word, where do you start? You've got to start in the beginning. And so we started lesson one, and we, we said... We got everyone together, everyone's sitting there in the tent, and we said, there's all these talks in the world. You guys have your own, your own story. Like, you have your story of where you came from and who the spirits are and who, who the creator is and wh where life came from. But go over the mountain to Aziana. They have another story, and it's different than yours. Um, you guys came from the Wosinera spirits. Well, they believe they came from the sun, and then there's that the tribe over there, Simbari. They have a totally different story. And in America, our ancestors or our, our people tell us a different story too, where we came from. Um, but then there's God's word. And, and this has a story too. And this, this is what we're gonna teach you. We're not gonna teach you that talk over there or that one over there, the one from America. We're here to teach you God's word in your language. And so that was lesson one. And then from there, we, we opened God's word and we talked about who God was in the beginning. And there's a we, we had a great word for God's name in the language. He is Yetmonamwadi. He is the, and that's the Lord, uh, that's Yahweh in the language. He's the present existing one. And so 
right from the very beginning, just even saying his name, they're like, well, who's this guy? He, I want to know him. And so, man, the whole village was there every day. Uh, yeah, 200 people every day hearing God's word and hearing who God was in the beginning, a father, a son, and a spirit, and that they were perfectly in fellowship there. And then they created this world and they created Adam and Eve to join in that fellowship. And, and there they are together. Adam's with God in the garden. And, you know, we told them, this is where we all come from. We all come from Adam. If he stays there with God in perfect relationship, awesome. That's what we're going to do. But if he somehow leaves, that's what we're going to do too. And so we set up the story like that. And, and from the very beginning, and then, yeah, the, the fall, like, Adam and Eve sinning, man, that broke their hearts. They just couldn't believe that when it happened, they couldn't believe their ears. And we had already told them, this is what's going to happen to all of us. Like, we all came from Adam. And so when that happened, oh, man, it was the saddest lesson. But at the same time, we were able to introduce Genesis 3.15, that there's one who's coming, and he's going to crush Satan. And so from that point forward, the story was all about this one who's coming, the, the helper, the savior. And in the language, we called him the Kaimonge. And so every day we'd say, just keep coming back and hearing about Kaimonge. He's going to come. He's going to do the work. You're going to see what he's going to do. And so we just got to teach through the whole Bible. I wish I could tell you every lesson and the testimonies after every lesson of them understanding and believing and just like the scales falling off their eyes and, and Jesus being born and Jesus is the one who saves. That's what his name means. And so when he was born, they're like, He's here. That's the one we've been waiting for. That's the Savior. And so hearing about his life, his miracles, his power over everything, and then eventually his death and, re- and burial and resurrection, and man, just seeing and hearing the testimonies on that day. They've just heard in 60 lessons through the Bible and their testimonies that day. My, my friend Busse got up on that day and gave just an incredible testimony of the gospel, sharing just... God's word of how we came from Adam. We, we all listen to Satan. We're all over here. We're separated from God. But Jesus, the helper, came and he defeated Satan. And you know that veil that kept, that they had in the tabernacle that kept people out of God's presence, the Holy of Holies? Jesus ripped that veil right open and now we can have access. We can be in God's family now. And he gave the gospel right there to the whole village And from that day forward, we just heard testimony after testimony of people coming to faith in Christ. And the church was born in Wantakia. Praise God. (laughs) Guys, it was just incredible to see that happen. This unreached people group um, become reached. And just thinking of God's word in Revelation 7-9 where that, just that whole host of people gathered around the throne, worshiping from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And now we can say confidently that those, uh, those 75 people or so that, that gave testimony of faith and trusted in Jesus, they're going to be there with us. Praise God. We are so excited. The church was born, um, but we knew in a lot of ways the work had just begun. Uh, we, we don't, you know, you don't go to the hospital and have a baby and then all right, job's over, and then just like go back home. (laughs) The work has just begun, right, mamas? (laughs) No, it's like, man, the the discipling, the maturing, all of that has just begun. And so 
The church was born, and um, last October, we were able to baptize the very first believers, and so exciting, 20 people stepping out in obedience, declaring their faith publicly, and man, the first Wantakia believers getting baptized, and I don't know if you can see that picture, but there's just people all over the, um, right there next to the river watching this thing they've never seen before. It was incredible. Uh, This also was, um, you know, Satan is real and he is our enemy and he he's he's prowling around looking for someone to destroy. And so this was when the persecution came in too. People going public with their faith. Well, the ones who rejected the gospel, this is when they started persecuting and really making fun of the believers and um, kind of shunning them and, and not giving them that community. And that's a big deal over there. Everything, life is communal there. We're very individual. We have our homes, we go home at night, and like everything is just community there. Open door policy, you can walk in anyone's door at any time, like life just happens over there as a community. And so for the believers, this, is, this has been tough, um, seeing the outsiders, uh, the ones who didn't believe the gospel, um, shun them, make fun of them, but it's also taught them a new identity. They're learning their new identity as the church and how to depend on each other like never before. And I think they could come here and teach us a few things on that one. But they are like the early church, sharing everything. They're in community, uh, depending on each other. So the church continues to meet. They, um, they're gathering on Sundays and worshiping, and they gather throughout the week and, and have Bible studies. They're going through the book of Acts, learning, learning what the early church did, and they're, they're learning from that, and they're doing that too. And... Um, one of the big things that they, they were surprised by is like, we're in God's family now, but we're still sinning. Like, what's going on here? Like, that was a shock to them. Like, any, like anyone in here still sin? <laughs> but they're like, what? Like, we thought now, like, we wouldn't do that stuff anymore. Like, we wouldn't fight with our wives. We wouldn't like, you know, smack our kids on the head anymore when they're being knuckleheads. But like, we're still like just messing up all the time. And so they're learning that, yes, you're in God's family. You have the Holy Spirit now. You also still have your flesh. And so the, the word they use for that is they call it their sin skin. It's like, that makes sense. We still have our sin skin. Like we're still in this body, this messed up body. So of course, we have to make the choice to listen to the Holy Spirit and not our flesh. And so there's growing in these new concepts. And it's really cool to, to hear their testimonies at church and to, to hear the way they're, they're learning how to apply this to their lives. And really even how they're, they're walking through things together, even without the missionaries. Um, this one couple, they got into a fight. They were arguing about something. And, you know, they live right next to each other in these, you know, bamboo woven walls. So you hear everything. And so his, his brother who lives next to him is one of our strongest believers. He was able to go over there the next morning and, and walk through that with him. Like, man, remember what we've been learning? Like, we can't listen to our flesh anymore. Like we got to listen to the Holy Spirit. But you know what else? Remember what we learned? When we do sin, we go to the Father and we talk to Him about it. Like He's our Father, and we just go and we confess it, and He forgives us. And like you need to talk to your wife about it too. And so these things are happening without the missionaries even going before we can even get down there and see what's going on. Like the church is sharpening each other. It's really cool to see them growing together like that. Another aspect that's still going on is translation. Uh, I want to show you a picture of my friend 
my uh, friend Yedas. He is um, just my little buddy in the tribe. He, he doesn't look like it, but he's much younger than me. Um, and so he, yeah, he has a really cool story of how his, his father died when he was really young. And so somehow we got into this really close relationship and he started calling me dad. So I'm like his village dad and it's really, really special. But he helps us a lot with translation. And um, he is just one of our faithful guys. He's one of our fatties. And so he, just the other day, he's, he's translating with Jack and um, Jack prints off, you know, his initial draft of Romans chapter one and hands it to him and says, hey, you're literate. You're, you're one of our best guys. You're, you're really good. And so take this home and, and fix all my terrible mistakes. You know, like I, I'm sure there's tons of typos in there. Go, go and fix it. And so he takes it and he goes home and fixes it. And, he, and then he comes back and he just, he's just so happy. He says, Jack, I remember years ago when we first started translating, BJ told me, one day you're going to be holding the paper. One day you're going to be doing this. And I'm just going to be like over here watching you and checking on you. And, and like, that's happening now. So like, he's sort of seeing that um, come to fruition. It's just really cool. And so they're translating Romans chapter one. And, you know, they're, they're going down through the chapter and they get to the part where Paul says, he is the apostle that's called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And he's obligated to preach the gospel. Like, this is what he's called to. And um, Jack just stopped right there and said, man, this is, why, this is why we came. This is why we're here. Like, I read this when I was younger. And like, Paul, he's the, the, the apostle to the, the Gentiles. And like, I want, I want to do that too. Like, I want to go and help these people who've never heard of Jesus know about Jesus. And he said, that's why I'm here with you. Like, this is, this is what I heard when I was young and we're here um, and we're doing this work together now. And um, like, we couldn't just stay in America. We had to come. And right then, Yedas just lost it and started crying. He just said, man, what if you guys wouldn't have come though? Like, I would be lost forever. Like, I would have never known about Jesus and I would have been separated from God too. But you left, you left the good life and you came. Like, thank you. Through his sobs, they just had this moment of rejoicing um, and, so, and praising God together. And uh, at that moment, Yedas looked up and he says, thank you, Father, for sending Paul to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And thank you for these people, my friends who've come from America to come teach us about your son. Thank you. And so these are the things that are still happening here. Like, God is growing his church. We're continuing to translate more of the New Testament so that they can be those good Bereans who will stand on God's word and uh, not just take our word for it and not be dependent on us for it. And so we got a long way to go. Like the church has just been born. It's just this little baby that needs to grow into maturity. And so also we're just still in village one. Uh, there's nine other villages. And so we are planning on this December, the first outreach, like we're gonna, we're gonna train these faithful ones to share the gospel the same way we shared it with them, starting in the beginning and teaching all these lessons through the Bible. And so that's gonna be happening. Like literacy is gonna go to these other villages. And so we just wanna see the gospel, not only them grow and mature in Christ, but for it to um, spread to the other villages, the other nine villages in Wantakia. So yeah, I wanna now just share some prayer requests and um, just praise, praises too. Um, yeah, when we went there, 
we really had no idea what we were getting into, but we just prayed. We prayed. We, we did everything in prayer. And one of our prayers throughout our language learning time was uh, like Daniel, when he and the three other guys were in Babylon, there's a verse in Daniel chapter one that talks about how God gave them an, a special ability and an unusual aptitude um, and gave them all wisdom for, for the Babylonian culture and the things that they needed to know uh, while they were in Babylon. And that's just what we prayed. Like, God, just give us a special ability, an unusual aptitude to learn this language and culture. And he did it. And then again, as we're getting ready to share God's word with the Wantakia people, we prayed Nehemiah. There's this amazing part in Nehemiah chapter eight where the book of the law hasn't been read in generations. They've just rebuilt the walls in Jerusalem and they get the book out and Ezra starts reading it and they hear it from morning to noon. And then uh, in verse 12, it says that they went home rejoicing because they had understood God's word. And, and, and that's what we prayed, that the Wantakia people would hear and understand and celebrate. And that's what happened. And so like, we just have all these things that we've prayed about. And so our prayer for, for this sort of season that we're in now is like Colossians 1.28. Paul says he warns everyone and teaches everyone so that he can present everyone mature in Christ. And so that's our prayer for the church there is that they'll grow to maturity in Christ and um, that it'll spread to the other villages. So pray for the church, pray for our, te- our teammates, our, our other two families that are there working still. Um, pray for, we just had a really big celebration. Our third literacy class just finished last week and they had a big celebration about that, a uh, big uh, graduation. And so that was super exciting. Uh, when they graduate, they get these little scripture booklets uh, so that they can go home and start reading God's word. And so that was a big deal. The whole village is seeing that and going, oh man, they're getting a little, they're getting something cool out of this. Maybe I should go to literacy. And so it's kind of getting everyone else excited to come learn how to read in their language. So just keep, as you think about the Wantakia tribe, Pray for them to keep growing and pray for the literacy that they'll keep learning to read. And um, also you can pray for our family. We're gonna be, we've been back for about eight months now and we have about two months left before we head back. Uh, There's a lot of work left to do. So we will be heading back in a couple of months. So pray for our goodbyes and our transition back to Papua New Guinea. So yeah, that's our story. God's faithful. We're just a couple of, crazy people (laughs) who said yes to the Lord and said, here I am, Lord, send me. And um, here we are. So thanks. BJ, thanks. It's, man, it's, I've heard the story, but it's just so cool to hear it over and over again. Um, But real quick, I think we'd like to invite Jill and your kids up here just so everybody can see them up front, and then we got a couple of questions for you. So you're not going to get out of here that easy. I'm not a part of the family. I'm here. <laughs> you need more boys, man. We got you. <laughs> so, you know, something that you guys didn't hear, just because they're not going to talk about it because of how incredibly humble they are, they, Jill and BJ are incredible parents. They love their children well. You know, they've, they've taken their kids into, I think what a lot of people would think is, is somewhat of a hostile environment, but they've done such a good job of just loving their kids and modeling Christ for their kids. And so, you know, my, my question for you is, I mean, you look out 
in our congregation, there's a lot of people that look exactly like you guys, young families with young kids. And we're living in the Woodlands, Texas. You guys are living in the mountains of Papua New Guinea. So what has it been like to raise kids over there? Like, what has it been like to, and maybe not just to raise kids, but to raise kids and to be a family in a totally different culture halfway around the world? Yeah, it, um, it obviously was scary at the beginning. And a lot of people would say, you guys going to take your kids with you? We're like, yeah, we're going to take them with us. You know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're doing this as a family. And so um, it's just, it really has been on, like, just really amazing being able to teach them just the things that are really important in life and teach them, as we're teaching the Wantakians, we're teaching our kids each lesson um, it was cool, the 60 lessons, like every morning we would say, this is what their Wantakians are going to learn this morning. And and the kids would learn that too and just be on the same page with them. And I don't know, it just seems like a lot of you have gotten to experience, you know, staying home with your family during quarantine and the COVID and everything. And it's just a really special time to be able to raise our kids at home and where dad's eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner together. And And we're teaching our kids, you know, this is what we're teaching the Wantakians. We're teaching them that God is our provider. And do you guys see that God's our provider a lot in the tribe? Like when we order food, we have to make sure it lasts and God provides that for us. He um, keeps us healthy. And we know that we had a little scare with Sophie um, and we just were able to pray through that and God healed her. And so... I don't know, it's just, it's really a privilege just to get to be teaching our kids these really amazing lessons. Yeah, and like everything we do over there, we do it as a family. Like we go down to literacy, we all go down there and the kids are involved and in, in little ways that are really helpful and even developing the literacy program and going to the teaching every day and like going to church now, like we do everything together and our kids are very involved. They play with the Wantakia kids every day. Um, the, the, our, our yard is the most popular place in the village. And like, the, hey, and they, they just love her hair. Like, <laughs> Olivia, do they like to braid your hair? Yes. <laughs> Even though I take it out afterwards. <laughs> Most of the time. Yeah. What are some things that you like to do with the Well, we like, I don't know, play tag and stuff. That's what we like to do with them. They're very humble, and they, they don't want to talk about it either, but they're, they're very involved, and they, they love um, just getting out with the Wantakia kids and, and doing life there. For sure. Um, thanks, Jen. Actually, talking about Sophie, the health scare, just tell you guys real quick, when you see him out in the hall, ask him, BJ's actually an amateur surgeon, and Jill is an amateur OBGYN doctor, so uh, ask him about that when you, when you see him out there. Um, uh, so... I guess one more question for you, and, and I know, I mean, we're going to be praying for you as a body, um, and, and we've got opportunities out there, too, to learn more about you guys and ways to give if, if people in here want to give to you guys, but, you know, I, I think I talked to Michael about it yesterday, and I talked to Daniel as well, and obviously I need to talk to some of the elders. I need to talk to the other elders about it, but we would like to come alongside you guys as a church, and I, I guess my question for you is... Well, one, I, I would ask for you guys to prayerfully consider what it looks like for us to be a sending church for you guys. Um, and then I guess my question that, that you can talk to the church about is, 
What does that look like if we become ascending church for you guys? Well, I sort of would say that you're already doing it. Like our time yesterday with several of you, just like y'all encouraging us and um, man, you're already praying for us. And yeah, like you're already doing it. But yeah, we we have lots of churches and, and people behind us. Um, but man, we we desperately would love for y'all to to be like a sending church to us and encourage us. And um, yeah, like we're going back, but there's there's this hard days, like lonely days. There's days without cell phone service. Like it's a solar powered cell phone tower, and we live in the rainforest. So like, yeah, that doesn't work out very well. <laughs> we go for long stints where we don't hear from anybody. So. Man, to just be an encouragement to us and, um, yeah, come visit us, huh? right? Um, come physically and be an encouragement to us. But, yeah, we, we would love for y'all to be behind us in whatever way, shape, or form. Um, yeah, we, we love this church already. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, well, thank you guys so much. Seriously, let's thank them again. Please. All right, I'll, I'll pray for us real quick, and then uh, Zach and Zachson come back up and lead worship. Um, God, thanks so much for today. Thanks for this morning, Lord. Thanks for giving us yet another morning that we weren't promised, Lord. Um, God, thanks for Jill and BJ and their kids, Lord, and um, God, just for their willingness to, to follow you wherever you lead them, Lord. Um, God, I pray that, that as we leave here today that, that you would strengthen us to follow you wherever you're going to lead us, Lord. I pray that, that Jill and BJ would have been an encouragement to all of us in here, um, God, and that we would, we would just run hard after you wherever you're taking us. Lord, we love you, and we pray these things in your son's name.